millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome to the Full Throttle Podcast. And we've just had the most unbelievable, if you didn't see it, the most unbelievable weekend of World Superbike Racing at Assen. It was a classic, classic battle on Sunday in particular as Jonathan Ray backed up the pack. And who can blame him as he tried to allow everyone else to get in the mix there with Alvaro Bautista. But even with those tactics, they couldn't stop Alvaro Bautista winning again and making it 11 out of 11. But what was more memorable, for me at least, for Assen 2019 was the weather because we had snow quite literally on Saturday and it's not often you see snow affecting a sports event but that's exactly what we had for Assen 2019 I was there James Whitten was there in the commentary box and well there's quite a lot to get through well, we're, I never expected to be saying we were going to get snow on a race weekend, but that's exactly what we got this weekend. Incredible. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I, I know we were kind of uh, corrected on various social media uh, kind of uh, platforms by people saying, oh, I remember a meeting at Brands Hatch got cancelled. I remember Donna and it snowed in 98, which it did, actually. I was, I was at a couple, I've been at a couple of meetings that's been either postponed or cancelled with snow before. However... Um, it's still very unusual. Uh, the weather was absolutely freezing all weekend. And to be fair, it did exactly what the forecast said. Saturday was the worst day, came good Sunday, and it meant that everything had to get shoved onto the Sunday, which meant it was just old school two races in the day. It was um, good meeting. I quite enjoyed Sunday. Yeah, me too. It worked well, actually, didn't it? it seemed, I, I was a bit disappointed we lost the sprint race, but even so, we got some good racing. I suppose in the end, everyone is probably pleased I had a race cancelled because they are still unable to be Alvaro about Easter. Do you think, had we not had that problem in qualifying with the red flag, and he perhaps hadn't been on pole, it could have been a different story? Yeah, I actually thought, uh, before the races, when he was going off pole, I thought, oh, your main man to, to give him um, uh, some competition is obviously going to be Jonathan Ray. He's down in eighth. It's going to take him a while to get through. But in actual fact, both races... Johnny was able to get through the pack. Second race, unbelievably so. Uh, a cracking start. I mean, about the best start I've ever seen. Um, and and still couldn't really take it to him. It got in front of him, tried to hold him up, tried to mess him about a little bit. It all fair game. Um, and it still didn't work. Once Alvaro got through, he was able to put some, some quick, safe laps in and put a bit of distance between him and Johnny. And no, second race, it wasn't. A, a, a sort of massive amount, you know, every lap, but 
did what he had to do. So I actually don't think it would have made a lot of difference as long as, you know, Alvaro didn't bog down off the start in one of them and end up in 12th, which he didn't. I don't think it would have made a lot of difference. We were hoping it probably would. Um, but saying that, you know, it, it, it's a pleasure to watch him ride as well as he is doing. You know, mid-corner speed was brilliant. Uh, bike, even though he'd had some sort of troubles in... in FP uh, one and two, trying different setups, saying that the bike didn't feel so well in the cold. Um, he still managed to get a bike that looked as good or better than anybody else's and ride it better than everybody else. So not a lot you can say. I suppose the worrying thing is, though, this time for everyone else, he didn't have that same street, uh, straight line speed advantage he'd had at the other track. So, you know, what's everyone going to say now? I don't know. I mean, the, the thing is, he's definitely got a little bit of a machine advantage in terms of uh, straight line speed, acceleration, call it what you want. Not as much as, as it looked at somewhere like Aragon with a big long straight uh, or Buriram with them two fairly long straights accelerating out of, out of low gear corners. Uh, just because of the nature of Aston circuit, you know, it's lots of corners, not many straights. Um, so, yeah, he didn't have a, a bike that could, you know, gain half a second down the straight bits on and he still managed to beat everybody. He was, he was definitely quicker in the corners when he was together with Johnny and uh, Charles and others. Um, so th- there ain't a lot you can say about that either. You know, as a punter, you watch it and you're impressed by his speed and his, the way he goes about it. It's good to watch. And as a rival, you've got to sort of dock your cap to somebody who has got, you know, a really good bike and he's riding it really, really well. So you can't, uh, you can't knock him. Did you see progress coming from the other manufacturers now Yamaha had uh, another strong weekend didn't they two podiums for Vandermark two fourth places for Alex Lowe's BMW are definitely making progress and they still don't have that engine upgrade yet do they no I mean as far as making progress I think that BMW has had a fairly good bike most of this year really uh, it hasn't looked uh, a dog anyway it's looked really nice it, it, neither rider has complained about the bike the handling the, the, the setup. they said it's quite easy to get set up it feels lovely on the front everything works and they are just waiting for that uh, that extra few horsepower really um, the Yamaha looks to be a really good package now uh, both riders are doing really well on it um, really impressed with Michael Van der Mark this weekend actually he managed to make a tyre last longer than Jonathan Ray Jonathan Ray had gone a bit harder at the start of race two and maybe use a little bit more tyre up um, but you know Michael van der Mark did a brilliant job this weekend in front of his own crowd a third and a second and, um, and, and good luck to him you know he, it's the first weekend this year where he's sort of turned it on a little bit and he, and he needed to do because <laughs> there was a fair few people you know, watching him and, and, and wanting him to do well with it being Holland, obviously. Yeah. On the other hand, the GRT squad have had a really difficult weekend. Sandra Cortez, he hurt himself in Super Bowl, didn't he, with that massive crash, the one when uh, Jonathan Ray came along and ran over the debris. And then Marco Melandri, it seems as though his head's not in the right place at the moment, to be honest, because we know he's quick, but something is not clicking there. Yeah, Marco's uh, struggled as the season's gone on. He seems to be struggling more and more with each passing Mm -hmm. uh, round. We didn't get to see much of him on screen. We got to see a little bit of him when we went out to track and watched sort of live on the corners. Um, Doesn't look happy with the bike. We know how well he can ride. We know what a quality rider he is. Uh, But yeah, not happy with the bike. And you don't have to be that off to look fairly second-hand in that kind of field at World Championship racing. So it might be, you know, not a massive um, difference from him being right on the pace, but 
it, it, it looks so at the minute because of, you know where he's finishing. So um, yeah, and, and it, it surprises me because he's the only one. Everybody else seems to be. You know, reasonably quick. Cortez is about where we thought he would be generally this season. Probably punching a little bit above his weight at the minute. Um, although, like you said, Aston was a bad meeting for him. A uh, big, big crash. I uh, don't know quite how it started because we never got to see it, but uh, we know where it ended up. It ended up with him sliding down the road about 250 metres on his backside and being really lucky to get away with not hurting himself, really. Um, but, yeah, he's the patter team that seems to be having the best of things on the Yamahas at the minute. Uh, Honda, on the other hand, just to complete that sort of manufacture roundup, they're just going nowhere, are they, at the moment? HRC has obviously decided to go their own way, press the reset button. Uh, they've done a bit of a Fleetwood Mac, haven't they, going their own way, but they haven't taken any of the Tane Carter data from last year, and there's just nothing Leon Camier can do at the moment. No, nothing, and not only that, not only is there nothing he can do on track with the bike seemingly, but also there's nothing he can do in the garage if reports are to be believed there's nothing the team will allow him to do in terms of getting it somewhere a little bit more competitive you know they're not allowing him to make many changes um the bike basically setup wise goes from one meeting to another without being changed too much um and that's all right if you're winning and you've got a really good base setting and your bike's brilliant but you know if you're getting the type of lack of results let's say that that um leon cammy's getting well you'd be desperate to change something. You know, it isn't brilliant at the minute, so he's not a lot to lose in changing things, and apparently the team won't let him, so a bit of a weird one, really. The thing is, though, it's difficult to understand for anyone who's not a rider, because surely the team has to put some sort of faith and trust in their rider, but, you know, when you're a rider, being told you can't change anything, that must be a bit difficult to accept in a way. Completely, absolutely. I mean, you... There's one thing getting to a new team in a new class with a new bike with a team that knows exactly what they're doing and taking their lead on what should work with that bike. You know, that's that's one thing. And I've been in teams and seen teams where that's the case. You know, you get a new rider, a young rider, a rider new to that class. Well, you're relying a lot on your team uh, to, to give you a bike that they know is ballpark in terms of how, you know, where it, how it should be getting around a circuit. But to have a rider with the experience of Leon Camier, uh, who clearly knows how to set a bike up. He's ridden bikes uh, that need a bit of setting up before and got the best out of them, i.e. MV, and then not let that man get the bike at least as good as it can be with him on it. That's uh, a bit a bit strange really yeah I hope they can make some progress soon let's see what happens Super Sport then um, Randy Kremenak is having such a great season so far uh, two wins two seconds however Karakasulo finally got him this time yeah and to me that's been coming I could see the end of last year I really like Karakasulo the way he went about things a uh, little bit of a swagger about him a little bit cocky a little bit that Italian kind of um attitude which I quite like when you're racing you need a little bit of that mm. um, knows how good he is he is very good in my opinion um, and it's taken him you know four means to get going and to uh, to win a race and I expected it in the first couple I expected him to be pushing obviously um, Philip Island was a washout for him but I've all they finished I think he came in a distant kind of third because he had that issue in the pits when they changed when they were forced to change tyres um, and then yeah it hasn't just happened for him anywhere else but it did look 
as that race was unfolding at Assen, it looked like he had a plan. I thought he left it really late because if, if you've got a plan and you leave it till the last lap and it doesn't work, you've no chance to have a, another go at it. He must have been fairly sure he could make that pass where he did because he left it till halfway down the last lap. It worked perfectly. And um, it, it was I, I was really pleased to see. I think he's he's probably deserved that and I think it has been coming. And to be fair, Randy Krumanaka reacted exactly as we expected. I think he knew it was coming, didn't he? But he didn't do anything silly and he accepted that, you know, he'd been beaten fair and square this time, but it's still, as I say, two wins and two seconds and that's what wins championships. Yeah, and, and, and Krumanaka's brilliant at that. He's, he's a steady lad. You, you can tell he thinks about what he's doing. Family man, sort of settled in the paddock, settled in his lifestyle. He's been in the championship long enough to know how it works. He knows he's on a good bike and he knows he can ride it. Um, and I think he knows he's going to be a chap- the man to be in the championship, given you know his consistency, and he doesn't make that many mistakes. You know, he- so a-, a rider like that, that's quick and consistent, is always going to be difficult to be in the championship. I think Caracasulo at times is going to have the pace to do it. I think that Jules Clazel is going to at times have the pace to beat him, and I think possibly Gradinger. I like the way Gradinger rides. I think he's really quick. I don't think we've seen the best of him. But championship-wise, it, it's looking like Krummenacker's going to be the man to beat generally this year. Yeah, it's a shame DeRosa crashed the MV. Kyle Smith had a crash as well. I think Corentin Perilari is going to be another one we really need to look out for. But his teammate, you just mentioned him, Jules Cuzel. With these colder temperatures in Assen and also in Aragon, it's not quite worked out. So I'm hoping for his sake he's going to be back up there for Imola. And he needs to be as well for the points. Yeah, he does. I mean, he, he, he ran sort of reasonable early on. In, he, wasn't, he couldn't blame his lack of result at Assen on anything other than he didn't just quite have the pace. He made a couple of mistakes, which to me suggests he's pushing on a little bit. Um, he was able to stop with coming Acker early on. Um, so he's not far off. I mean, he, he isn't far off. Um, and, and like I said, I think Clazelle is a, a definite championship contender. He always has been in this class. We're all wanting him to win one because we think he deserves it. But, um, you know, he, he is going to start winning again essentially uh, and he hasn't been able to for the last couple of rounds yeah had one win so far in Thailand uh, Supersport 300 then Manuel Gonzalez has done it again I mean it's amazing really that one rider can come out of the first two races having won both of them because it could have gone well any one of about 17 different ways couldn't it another classic race there yeah I mean it's brilliant racing and it is brilliant racing we've really enjoyed watching it commentating on it the Supersport 300 is somewhat of a lottery and what I mean by that is you can be one of the fastest men out there or ladies out there uh, and still finish 10th. Whereas in a normal class, you can, you can be one of the quickest riders out there and you're never going to finish lower than your sort of speed over a lap kind of dictates everything else going to plan, you know. Whereas we saw Anna Carrasco work everything absolutely, what I would say, perfectly. She'd, she'd got to the front at the right time. She'd left it not so she was going to get to the front and then have a chance to get shoved back. Uh, I thought she'd done a, a brilliant job, used the slipstream, got to somewhere within striking distance of the leader, and I thought, hey, she's going to win this and, and look quick enough on every part of the track and then get shoved back to because of a little bit of a scrum going from that fast section coming back from the far end uh, and ended up on the, right off the back of it I think about was she about 7th or 8th yeah but I know what you mean she looks like the one who's most in control doesn't she when she's coming through yeah she, she looked to, she looked to think it all out and, and put a plan into action that looked like it was had a really good chance of working but other people did that as well 
you know, there, there was the Arachi, uh, what's it called? Yeah, Bruno Arachi. Yeah, he looked like most likely to me um, to, to nick a win. So, yeah, for Gonzalez to win two is a little, that's, that's not easy done. You need a fair bit of luck. And you need to be quick as well. So, yeah, well done to him. Good racing, that. I haven't spoken to you, Raj. You haven't met him yet, James. But it did make me wonder when I was thinking about it coming home on uh, Sunday night. I was thinking, do you know how Galang Hendra took pole and he geared his bike, we found, in a way that allowed him to have more speed in qualifying when he was on his own? But then when he was in the pack, he was hitting the rev limiter. He made a bad gearing setup. And Mika Perez did the same. Do you think maybe Bruno Urachi is going the other way and gearing his bike to perform better when it's in a Slipstream, and that's why he's qualifying low down and finishing high up. Yeah, so the basics, if anybody doesn't know what you're talking about uh, in that is, if you gear your bike to just about hit the rev limiter in top gear down the longest of the straights uh, cir- uh, given circuit, that's about the best you can get your bike to run when it's on its own. However, that same gear, and if you're getting some slipstream and go another five to six mile an hour quicker, well, you're going to dr- your bike is going to be effectively dragged by the slipstream into your rev limit. So you have to overgear your bike if you expect to do a lot of slipstreaming. We did that on the superbikes at, at Daytona, uh, and if you if you don't get with anybody in practice, you sort of got to guess how much overgeared your bike must be to take benefit of a slipstream. So, but there's nothing to stop you. In practice, when you know that getting a slipstream is going to be um, the way forward, if you can't get a slipstream, you gear your bike to be as fast as it can on its own to get your lap time in practice, and then you'd always go another two just because in a race you know you're going to get a slipstream. So to me, that's a little bit of inexperience, them not understanding that even though they'd been on their own in practice, they weren't going to be on their own in a race, so therefore they should have altered their gearing accordingly to allow for a slipstream in the race. So that's inexperience, because I would have always put a gear, uh, put a tooth on for the race. Yeah, which is why Galang Hendra started on pole position, finished outside the points in 19th. So basically then he's in the pack behind the other riders and he's just going, no, 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 all the way down the back straight. Yeah, the bike's just trying to go quicker than it would on its own because it's getting sucked along with the slipstream. Uh, but yeah, it's in the le- rev limit and that's getting held back by its own engine, if you like. So Yeah, frustrating times for him. And uh, yeah, I was just checking to see whether it was 7th or 8th. It was 8th for Anna Carrasco. Right, just before we go then, we're off to Silverstone again. We were there last week with the BSB Media Day and the test. We're there this week for the race weekend. It's non-stop at the moment for us. But definitely not complaining because BSB starts this weekend. And I do not know, especially on the Silverstone National Circuit, how to call it. It could go any one of about huh, 10 ways. Yeah, I reckon there's about 11 riders all told have a chance of finishing that in that um, top six showdown come the end of the main season. Uh, obviously, some have more than others. You'd put money on some finishing in that showdown. I think um, you could probably pick three or four that are most likely given uh, a, a decent run. Um, and then probably about another six or seven who have a good chance uh, if things go their way. But it never will go the way of everybody. You know, the, you'll get somebody fall off and hurt himself the first meeting. You'll get somebody who doesn't like his team and falls out with them. You'll get somebody else who, you know, has a, a spate of crashing and flipping. You can never, ever call BSB. It's that close that you don't need to make many mistakes to be shoved right out of that top six. So um, it's brilliant at this at this point for us. Um, every class as well, there's some. it's not just a superbike class. Supersport looks good. Superstock 1,000 looks particularly strong this year. There's about eight or ten riders in that that could, um, could win the championship. Um, it's good. It's all good. Um, I, I, I can't see uh, that that isn't going to be exciting. Whatever the weather... Um, 
forecast is absolutely fantastic. It's forecast to be sort of 18, 19 degrees by uh, the weekend. That's going to be brilliant. We hope we get a dry one, but it doesn't really matter at BSP because it's going to be good anyway. Yeah, no snow for us this time, though, that's for sure. Now, um, our mate Michael Guy, the sports editor from MCN, uh, it was a bit cruel, wasn't it, the other day? He was asking us all at Eurosport to <laughs> to rank everybody one to six, but it's almost impossible to pick six to go into the showdown, let alone put them in order. Yeah, I mean, what you don't want to do is upset anybody you could be, because you, you're bound to leave three or four riders who, uh, or more, maybe five, who are sat uh, at home at this point before the first meeting thinking have a really good chance of finishing in the showdown. And if you miss them out, well, they're thinking, hang on a minute, you know, obviously. I've done the same myself years ago when I rode. I'd I, I look and think, ah, they're not giving me much chance then. You know, when they were rating riders before the season started. So it is a little bit cruel for us to be asked. But, you know, I mean, them's my six. But if it was a different six, <laughs> I won't be that surprised, you know. Exactly. Yeah, I feel the same. And sorry, Michael, by the way, we know you're not cruel, really. But it is very difficult, that's for sure. How does it feel when you're a rider then, James? Do you, do you pay much attention to the press? Do you care about what people do think? Or when you do get a bit of negativity, you take some positivity from it? Yeah, riders, every rider's different. Some don't even, you know, read any of the press. Some read it all and... You know, it's like now with the social media stuff, you get some riders that will chip straight back in if, if you say something that's the least bit the way that they don't like it. They'll, they'll chip straight back in or if you, you leave one out of a, you know, um, your sort of pick of the, of the season or... But in, in the end, you know, it's, as a rider, you think, well, you know what, I've trained well, I've practiced well, um, I'm in with the shout and, and here we go. You've got to expect, if, if you are put on the spot as a pundit, well, you've got to, you've got to come up with what you think is the best. That's what you paid for. So, you know, that's not to say I'd be disappointed if, you know, I didn't Dan Limfoot, for example. I know Dan really well. I didn't call him as one of my top six, but he's every bit good enough to get in the top six. And if he does, I'd be dead pleased for him, you know. But you, when you're asked to pick, you just you take the info you've got, and 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 that's it's your opinion. And that's what it is, in opinion. Yeah, it is. And it's all a bit of fun, isn't it, really? I mean, no one, you can't take it too seriously. But uh, obviously, you know, sometimes I've spoken to people about things like this in the past and they have to give you a sort of um, invented top six that they didn't really want to say because they might have, you know, certain <laughs> sponsored link-ups and associations like that too. Hey, listen, this job, there's a lot of allegiances and, and people helping other people and sponsors that you've got to keep happy. And, it, you know, if it suits... You're, and there's no rider that if you've got every single rider to pick their top six for the showdown, I'm telling you, every one of them will put themselves in that top six. When you know we we know that some of them have got not much of a chance, so you're bound to do. It's like boxers. You ask a boxer before any fight, no matter how much of an underdog he is, oh yeah, yeah I'm going to win. Yeah, we watch videos and we're going to flip in. I know how I can get rounded, you know. But <laughs> that's sportsman. That that's what's if you. Without there thinking you couldn't win, well, it won't be so good, would it? Yeah, well, yeah, you'd be a bit worrying, really, if they're going in. You'd be questioning what they're going into it for, wouldn't you? <laughs> Last question, James, just before we go. Busy, busy week. But how crucial is it now to get a good start to the season, not just for points, but from that psychological point of view as well? Because does it in many ways set up your thinking for the rest of the year to kick off in a good way? Yeah, I mean, it depends where you're coming from. And, and you know, I mean, you look at somebody like uh, Scott Redding, there's been a lot of talk about Scott. Scott will be sat there thinking, right, I know my way around Silverstone, although not this layout, but it won't take him long to learn Silverstone. Big, wide, fast-flowing circuit like he used to do. 
Um, he's going to get know his way around there. He's going to be thinking, right, Donington, I know, Arsenal, I know. The rest I've got to learn. So maybe he'll be thinking that he's going to, you know, take points when he can and take wins when he can. Um, I'm sure that somebody like, uh, let me think, Taz McKenzie would just be thinking, right, if I can carry on where I left off last year, I know the circuits, I'm on the same bike as last year. So everybody's different. They're all different. Um, it's important to get your season off to a, a your championship off to a, a good start. But what you need to do with that showdown um, system, that showdown format we've got, is you don't have to win every single weekend. Consistency in the main part of the championship is what's going to get you into that for most, is what's going to get you into that showdown. So you want to be, if somebody said you can have, you know, two wins and a DNF, or you can have a second and, and two thirds, you go for the second and two thirds, you know, just because of the way that showdown system works, it's um, it's a it's a it's a different way of working it out. You know, I mean, we all love it now, but uh, as a rider, sometimes you can have a really good start to the season. Then, all not freewheel, but you can afford not to stick your neck out sometimes on circuits that you don't think you've a big chance on. It's a, just a different way of working it out, really, than first past the post kind of thing like we've got in World Superbike. Funnily enough, though, for the record, when everybody sees MCN on Wednesday, we, by coincidence, both went for Taron McKenzie, didn't we? Yeah, I just think that Taron is... He, he's got to be a massive ask for it, for him, but um, he, if he can start this season the way he ended last year, he's on the same bike, same data, same team, uh, knows the circuits, ridden the superbiker season now. I just think if he can progress the way he progressed just about every meeting last year... He's he's gonna be he's gonna be quick. He's gonna be quick. Um tends to try really hard, he's got to stay injury free. Um but it wouldn't surprise me if um if he was one of them in to be. Another kid you're gonna watch out for first season in super bike is Ben Curry, straight up from Super Sport. In the dry, I don't think he's gonna be challenging at the front. But he is exceptional in the wet. And it wouldn't surprise me at all if we got some wet meetings. And if we did get some wet meetings, it wouldn't surprise me at all if he won one. Ooh, exciting then. It's almost impossible to call, but it's, uh, it's very thrilling stuff. So thanks, James. Thanks from me as well. And we will be back this weekend because finally the Bennett's British Superbike title race gets underway for 2019 on the national circuit at Silverstone, which brought us so much action in the closing stages of last year. Are we ready? Well, just about, but it's impossible to call. See you at Silverstone. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.